how many times I'm going to record this? <laughs> I'm, this may be the 10,000th time I recorded this um, intro for this episode. Um, not because I don't know what to say and not because I don't have much to say. It's just trying to find the right combination of words that make it reasonable for me to speak. You know what I mean? I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time either. But here we are. And what I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited that I can bring this back to you in a way that, that you guys can listen and enjoy. And hopefully you enjoyed the sound of my voice. My voice sound good. I need to stutter when I was a kid. This is like a full circle moment for me too. Like someone who used to stutter a lot and not even like get words out is now podcasting. That's kind of sick to be quiet on with you. You hear this voice right here? This, no, no, this, this one. <laughs> That's the one. Anyway, um, so listen, I'm, I'm not going to take too much of the time because I know you want to hear Mike. Mike is the star of this thing here until we we start the new episodes. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's important for me to show my gratitude and say thank you for everyone who supported. Thank you, everyone who reached out. Thank you, everyone, for the kind wishes, the... Um, the thoughts and the prayers and the support. Shout out to Zena. Shout out to Denitra. Shout out to Tyrone. Shout out to Karen. Shout out to Charles. Shout out to Richard. R.I.P. Roberto. You know, I'm pretty sure if he was around, he'll be here. And, uh, you know, I hope that him and Roberto are upstairs um, hanging out, playing Mario Kart or something. You know, that was his guy, so... I hope that you no, know, the the guys, the, the, excuse me. I hope those guys got together while they're up there. I know it's a big place, especially if you believe it, you know. But um, yeah, no, thank you guys. And um, without further ado, this is Smart Brown Voices Episode Zero. Oh, I guess I can tell you who I am. That's kind of weird, right? My name is Everett Street. I'm. You call me Ev Street. You call me Ev. You call me Street. Um, I am the cousin, brother, son of Michael Street. Mr. Michael Street, if you're nasty. Um, and I'll go by all those titles because that's what he was to me. So, once again, thank you guys. I am out the way. Smart Brown Voices, episode zero. Goodbye. Have a good lunch. Bye. Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Welcome to Smart Brown Voices. It's going to be a weekly show where I speak to some of the best and brightest voices, you know, from diverse backgrounds, uh, people you may not normally get to hear from, you know, during the course of your normal day. One of the things that I've really been trying to combat and tackle over the past couple of years is really getting you know, a diverse range of voices, uh, you know, out here into the space and, and really, you know, letting people tell their story. 
at you know really uncovering like what is what it is what does it mean to really be you know a champion of diversity uh what does it really mean to be someone of color working in a lot of these different industries so this show's not going to really focus all on technology i want it to be really like a playground for us to kind of explore you know different people you know from different backgrounds who are doing this amazing work in their own respective field you know people who i really look up to over the years and really just get their voices you know heard and out there in in this space and i thought podcasting would be just a great way to really kind of showcase those people because you know often they don't get the shine and the opportunity uh to really be heard and i think there's some amazing stories you know that are out there that need to kind of be you know this you know brought to light so people can hear like what other people are working on it and really kind of also give support you know so i want you know this show to be a place where you find where you find inspiration i want you to hear you know some of the great stories that we're going to tell on this show and really just make it a source uh you know to help you keep going with whatever you're trying to do so if you're trying to be a scientist or open your own startup or you know pretty much anything that's going on and that you're trying to do i want it to be you know, just a safe space for us to sit back and, and listen and, and hear, um, you know, amazing stories of inspiration and uh, and how someone made it or didn't make it and failed and, you know, and the lessons that can be learned in that. So if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Mr. Mike Street. I'm originally from Maryland. Uh, was lived in Maryland until I was about 24. I went to the University of Maryland. Uh, shout out to the Terps who might be out there listening to this. Um, I went to Suitland High School before that. I was in the kind of like the, uh, computer science and programming, uh, you know, section of the school. And then, you know, I know I wanted to always kind of work in technology and digital after that. So I learned how to code pretty early on, um, you know, when I was younger and nobody was really kind of coding at the time. Um, but I just thought it was fun. And, you know, I liked making the little, you know, things on a screen move around. And, you know, I thought that could be a career that I could do um, and do well. So I kind of always, you know, learned how to program and code, you know, probably since the age of uh, 13, 14. I learned uh, BASIC and FORTRAN and PASCAL and C++ and now, you know, the newer technologies that are out there like Ruby on Rails and JavaScript and HTML, CSS. And so I've always thought it important just to really have a strong, rich uh, technology background and strong, rich vocabulary in this technology space because I feel that's going to be really be, you know, the new... You know, that's going to be the new language that everybody is talking in. I think it's going to be really important for, you know, everyone to have some kind of coding background, uh, you know, so that you can be competitive in this job market because it's hard out here. You know, people are looking for you to do like 16 million different things when you go on a job interview. And I think it's really important, you know, to really, you know, just be as diverse and, you know, as skilled as possible, you know. But, you know, figure out the one thing that you really want to master and master that. 
So, you know, I, again, I went to the University of Maryland. Um, while I was there, you know, I started out as a computer science major. Uh, that didn't work out too well because basically I kind of sucked at math. And, you know, I took this one math course, like, a million times. And, you know, so I was like, okay, I kind of have to do something different because this math is killing me. So I decided that I would... Uh, you know, kind of do something really different. So I first thought I wanted to be a journalist. So I had uh, started exploring, like, switching over to the School of J at University of Maryland and do journalism. But then I thought I wanted to be a teacher. So then I was trying to transfer into, you know, the teaching and education program. And I was specifically going to work with, um, you know, disadvantaged or disabled kids um, but then I, you know, kind of fell into working, um, and getting my degree in African American studies. Now, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, what can you do with the degree in African American studies? Well, I felt like for me, it really gave me a, you know, kind of a diverse background because, you know, it was a lot of research and a lot, of, you know, very research focused and intensive. So, um, you know, I actually, uh, for my senior thesis, I created a documentary film, you know, so that I could, you know, pass and graduate and get out of school. You know, so for me, it was a, it was a great learning experience for me because it helped me to, you know, kind of focus in on who I was and what I wanted to be. But I kind of still didn't figure it out yet to enough to declare a major. So it kind of gave me the flexibility to pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. And that's kind of how I've led the rest of my career. It's like I really um, have looked for places where I can be flexible enough to, you know, have my hand in a bunch of different things. Because I, you know, I found that over the years, I'm just a person who loves to learn and who loves, you know, I, you know, am so passionate about always each day is a new and different day. And I think that's, you know, kind of like led me to the point where I meant am that now in my career is where, you know, I kind of do my own thing and I have my own clients and, you know, I, you know, pretty much, you know, have shaped the course and steer my own ship and don't really have to answer to anyone anymore. And that was really, you know, kind of important for me and where I really wanted to be in life. So after I graduated, I got an amazing opportunity to really move to New York uh, a week right after graduation. Uh, so I went to a career fair. And, you know, most of the times you don't really find any decent jobs at a career fair. Um, but, you know, I've always been open to any experience. And so I went to this career fair um, in, uh, in D.C. And I went to the, um, the Time, Inc. table. And so, you know, I was just kind of looking at the pamphlets on the table and kind of like, you know, this hovering around the table. So this woman who was standing at the table, she, you know, started talking to me and we uh, struck up a conversation. Her name was Brina Clark. And so, you know, she was their, actually their diversity recruiter um, at Time, Inc., and so, you know, she was telling me about, like, they have a really great internship program. And if I really wanted to kind of get deeper into technology, um, you know, they, they have a dot com that's really kind of like up and coming. And it would be a great opportunity for me to learn. 
So I was like, well, I know I definitely didn't want to stay uh, and live in Merlin forever. So I was like, well, you know, this is a great opportunity and they'll give me um, some money once a month and pay for my housing. You know, so what better way to, uh, you know, kind of kick up, start your career out of college than to go, you know, intern paid and a place to live in New York City, um, you know, for three months. So right after I graduated, uh, you know, I got um, packed up my stuff and moved on out to New York City and was living on uh, Columbia's campus. And that was like really fun uh, for me. It was, uh, you know, a really different experience. Uh, you know, I got to kind of really see all the inner workings of, you know, pretty much a major corporation um, and everything that goes on to producing the magazine um, and also to producing pieces on the website. I was able to do like uh, you know different flash animation um, pieces and do um, some gaming stuff on their site that they use for you know one of their big issues. So there was a really great opportunity. But what uh, was even cooler was that uh, you know so me and Brina, uh, who was the recruiter, I was telling you about like we kept in touch, and so she had just finished writing a book, and it just so happens that her book was selected to be a part of Oprah's book club. And so I took that as an opportunity. So she wanted to kind of like, uh, you know, start marketing it. And, you know, she wanted to experiment with like using, you know, technology. And, uh, and you know, there was no social media at the time. There was no Twitter or Facebook and all that stuff. You know, people just had websites. So I helped her build her, you know, website for the book so that people could come and they could sign up uh, to get emails from her. And learn more about the book and then, you know, learn more about her being a part of Oprah's book club. So that wasn't, you know, another great opportunity, another great thing to kind of like add to my portfolio. And then so, you know, after my internship uh, at Time Inc., uh, you know, they offered me a position and so I was able to stay on with them. But that was also the time of the dot-com era, you know, the first wave of, uh, you know, people getting a whole bunch of crazy money. Uh, for, you know, pretty much like some really cool ideas that were going around at the time. You know, so I decided to kind of jump ship with everybody else and go over to one of these, you know, fancy startups that was, uh, you know, getting all this money at the time. So I left Tom Inc. and went to a place uh, called Places of Color, which was kind of wanting to compete with uh, BET and, you know, be an entertainment and education portal. Uh, that was uh, owned by Darian Dash, who was cousins to, you know, Dame Dash of, uh, you know, Rockefeller Records. And his um, sister was Stacy Dash, and you all know her from Clueless. And, you know, she's been uh, pretty vocal against Obama, uh, you know, since she's joined the ranks of Fox. And, all you know, so we're all familiar with all the crazy stuff that comes out of her mouth on a, a regular basis. So I joined that team and I was kind of hitting up the education uh, and entertainment piece over there and trying to help bring in content. But, you know, as if you worked in that time, you know, a lot of stuff was bullshit. And, you know, places of color turned out to be, you know, pretty much bullshit. So probably much uh, eight months after uh, we were all hired, we were all fired. So I found myself with no job and, you know, a little bit of unemployment, um, almost no severance pay. 
and that was it. So, you know, so I had to try to figure out, like, okay, like, what do I do now uh, to really, you know, get back into things? You know, so for me, I've always been a hustler, and, you know, I know how to make money, um, you know, out of a rock. So, um, what I did was, you know, I started, you know, just tapping into all my different friends. It's like, you know, can I do this for you, or can I do that for you, until I kind of figure out this job situation. So fortunately enough, uh, one of my friends was uh, had connected me to another guy. His name was James Statton. And, you know, we kind of hit it off. And he had just, you know, he was working at BET at the time. So he connected me to his boss. And then so me and his boss went out to lunch. And then, you know, a couple months later, you know, I had a position inside of BET. And I had, I had actually internship. Uh, at BET in DC in the past so um, you know it was really kind of like you know coming full circle again you know using like everything I have been doing in my career and then going over to be able to work at BET.com so BET you know for me was a really interesting experience you know I think you know the friends that I had at BET are still my friends today and we're pretty close and we you know always have each other's back and we always uh you know talk to each other uh, on a pretty frequent basis even though we don't always see each other like we all keep connected and you know we're a pretty small circle but uh you know those are friends that you know i have had for the past 15 20 years and um you know they've been all pretty you know pretty great so shout out to tonya pendleton alon johnson uh, larry hester and chuck creekmer and you probably know Chuck Kiefer from uh, AllHipHop.com. So, uh, you know, so for me, like, b- working at BET was a really great opportunity because it gave me the uh, ability to work on, again, a lot of different things. Because, you know, pretty much there was a lot of different things happening at BET at the time. So I started working, um, you know, in their first New York office. And then I would kind of spend half of my time there. So their first New York office was downtown, um, you know, kind of like by Astor Place. And then we also had another office, which was uptown in Harlem, uh, in East Harlem, to be specific, at 106 and Park, where is where, you know, the famous BET show 106 and Park gets its name from, because that's where we were taping the show at at the time. Um so if you look on my YouTube channel, uh, if you Google or go to YouTube and look for uh, Mr. Mike Street, uh, or Street Force One, rather, you'll be able to see some of the uh, clips, some of my old clips that I shot while I was at BET. Uh, so I've got some stuff up there from uh, Alicia Keys, uh, some very early interviews I did with her, Mary J. Blige. Um, you know, I pretty much got to meet like every celebrity I've ever wanted to meet. Uh, from working at BET, I got to meet Tom Cruise, Melissa Etheridge. Uh, my ultimate, uh, you know, fan and fan experience was being able to meet Janet Jackson for all of thirty seconds and take a picture with her. Um, this was right when um, her new album was coming out, and she was doing some press. Um, and she was actually doing press up here in Harlem. And so my friends were like, you know, we have, you know, do you want to go up, shoot up to Harlem and meet Janet Jackson? I'm almost like, hell yeah. So we jumped in a cab and, you know, came up to Harlem. And so, you know, she was in a room signing autographs. So we, I was able to go in and, you know, say hello to her. And I stood right next to her. And she's really tiny in person. 
you know, I'm about 6'3", so she's got to be like 5'2", five, 5'1". Five, so I was like surprised that she was really that short. But, uh, you know, so if you go to my uh, Pinterest page, which is uh, Pinterest.com backslash uh, Mike Street and look through my celebrity gallery, uh, you'll be able to see some of the celebrities that I have uh, were, were able to meet during my BET time. Um, but yeah, like BET was just like a really, you know, fun and great experience because, you know, I got to travel a lot. Um, and got to go to a bunch of different, you know, events and kind of just meet like everybody who was like crafting that whole kind of new wave of, of black culture at the time. So like, you know, I went to listening parties with Erica Badu. I met Kanye West when he wasn't Kanye West and he was really just a new artist that, you know, just got signed to, um. Uh, you know, the Def Jam and, you know, kind of like being able to experience a very early and very different Kanye West than you might see today. Um, I got to meet, uh, you know, just pretty much a lot of people who had like been watching on TV for years and kind of just getting to see them up close. Um, the nicest celebrity I ever met was probably Master P because he was always someone who would remember your name and he could see you out the corner of your eye and he was like hey you know mike and uh you know so and he would come to 106 and park uh pretty frequently if he had like some new music or you know one of his artists were um you know about to drop a record so he was always really really nice and you know probably one of the nicest celebrities i've ever met um Probably my worst celebrity experience at BET came with uh, A. Marie because she just didn't like the lighting that was in the room and she had a lot of complaints about it on that particular day. So I think I may still have some of that video footage from the interview there. So if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, you may be able to, you'll probably see one or two clips. Um, so, you know, I had to relight her a couple of times before we could actually start the uh, interview process but you know i love amory i loved her music and you know she's a dc girl so i always got love for my dc girls um you know we got to do spring bling uh one of my you know craziest experience uh, is going to spring bling and you know so i decided to go out with one another producer um uh who was outside and um uh, so we were like roaming around and, you know, so it was like really crazy outside. Like all these people are out for spring bling and they're like dancing and like doing everything. And then like, so this girl comes up to me and she grabs my junk and I'm just like, whoa, I'm like with the crew. <laughs> but she felt, you know, she was feeling it that day and she wanted to be like liberated and, you know, cause she fought all the guys out there were like, you know, grabbing girls booties and grabbing their boobies and so she felt like you know she wanted to turn the tables and i was like hey that might be on camera so you can't do all that kind of stuff um but yeah spring building was always like really uh interesting experiences i went to like three of them and i've seen like pretty much everything go on like i've seen like one celebrity i'm not going to mention his name but, like, he pretty much, like, trashed one of the uh, cabanas that BET had. Like, I remember going in there and one of the producers was like, can you tape all this so that we can have evidence <laughs> of just, like, what happened in here? Um, you know, like, he had, uh, I guess, like, a silly string party. 
and like the room was just like a complete disaster there was like cupcakes like smashed into the walls and Susie string like all over the place in the rug and on the wall and like it was like an explosion happened in in that room and I was like what kind of craziness were they doing up in here before they went up on stage because he wasn't even there that long so um so spring blings were always fun and we got to you know got to do and it was always good to just get out of New York and travel and you know see different places um also like my time at BET like I feel like it was marked by like a bunch of celebrity deaths and it's kind of like when like every year there was like you know, some uh, celebrity had, like, just passed away. So, like, when I first started at BET, Aaliyah had just died. And, you know, so that was kind of, like, one of the first things I went to cover. Uh, so, that I remember they had the uh, horse and carriage that, uh, you know, took her, um, you know, took Aaliyah through uh, Manhattan. And then they had kind of, like, a, a, a fan viewing of her um, casket at uh, Setapani on uh, the east side of 42nd Street. And I remember, like, being out there for hours, just, like, taking, you know, pictures and getting video and then going inside and walking around, you know, the casket viewing. You know, I was a huge uh, Aaliyah fan. And uh, I remember just, like, you know, being, like, super upset. Like, when I ate the little ticker on my uh, screen, I was watching some show on TV, and the ticker on my screen, you know, came across that Aaliyah had just died. Again, we didn't have Twitter or Facebook or any of this other stuff. So we had to rely on what was coming across on TV. And I just remember that day, like, you know, like, it was just like, wow. You know, Leah felt like, you know, she was like her sister. Because I remember, like, you know, when her first song, like, Back and Forth came out. I remember just, like, being in the class at school and, like, you know, bumping the cassette tape. And, uh, you know, us dancing to back and forth. And, you know, so she was just like a part of my childhood, like growing up. And it was just, uh, you know, it was a sad, like when she passed away, you know, I was pretty like, you know, upset. And I still listen to Aaliyah today. I still, you know, miss her. I wish she was around to kind of show these girls how to really do it. Because I really felt like she was special. Um... And then, like, I think, like, right after Aaliyah died, I remember going to uh, Lisa Left Eyes Lopez's funeral. And that was uh, out in Atlanta. And, um, and it was the, that trip was pretty crazy because, like, you know, I, I, we didn't plan to actually go out there, like, right away. Like, you know, we were just covering it, you know, in New York City. But then, like, you know, my boss at the time, she was like, you guys need to go out there and get pictures and video. So, literally, like, you know, we got that assignment, like, late that night. And I was, like, you know, on a plane, like, early that morning to go to the funeral. And so, uh, and we they didn't give us a rental car. So, we had to, like, cab it from the airport out to the, uh, you know, out to the uh, funeral home. I mean, the church that the... Uh, you know, that the funeral was at, and so, like, you know, we're, and it was just, like, packed, like, there was pretty much, like, everyone in Atlanta was out at the funeral, and they had all had on, like, Lisa Lefta Lopez t-shirts, and, you know, posters, and, you know, people had their original artwork that they had, you know, brought to, you know, kind of lay, and people had flowers, and it was just, like, a huge, 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 um, you know, thing in the Atlanta area at that time, and then it was, um, 
you know, so I remember having to do that. And again, like, you know, there wasn't any wireless internet out there. So, you know, we had to go, come from there, take all of our footage, and then go to Kinko's to use the internet. And, you know, and then send stuff back to BAT to publish. And then we did, they didn't even give us a hotel room. Like, you know, we had to do all that and then go jump on a plane to go back to New York City like that same day. So that was, you know, some of the things I was going through, like, with BET. And then, um, you know, then the, you know, other kind of deaths that happened were, like, Jam Master J um, from Rum DMC. I remember uh, going to that one. Um, if you go to my YouTube channel, I have some, uh, you know, footage from uh, ODB's uh, funeral that I posted up on there. Um, it's from, uh, the RZA kind of giving a eulogy, uh, to ODB, so you can kind of see, like, some of the stuff, um, you know, that was just really going on, and I, I just felt like, you know, there was a lot of, I attended a lot of celebrity funerals when I was doing that kind of, like, five, six-year stretch of, uh, of, uh, working at BET. I remember, like, my most memorable one was going to, um, Luther Vandross's funeral, and I wish I had this footage today because it was pretty amazing to see. But so that funeral was, um, I think, at the Riverside Church up here in Harlem. And so, you know, every kind of like, you know, old school black celebrity was at, uh, you know, uh, his funeral. So, you know, I'm up on the uh, press stand um, and I have my camera up because pretty much, you know, what I used to do is just shoot video a lot. And publish that those clips back to BET.com. And again, I wish they still had that stuff up there because I'm sure like tons of kids or those people would love to see a lot of that footage because there was some amazing stuff in there that we were taking. Um, and so I remember, uh, you know, there was a moment in the church, you know, and so you know the church, the choir was like, you know, just really getting it, and uh, you know, people were clapping and dancing. And then, so, Aretha Franklin, you know, she jumps up, and so she's, like, dancing around the casket. And then, so, you know, she, you know, goes over to Luther Vandross's casket, and she's singing, and she's clapping, and she's dancing. And, you know, then, she, you know, she starts really just kind of, like, running around the casket. I think she ran around the casket, like, six times. So, I'm just, like, there with my camera. I'm, like, record. This is awesome. So, um... You know, that was really just amazing footage. And, uh, you know, again, it was just like, you know, it was just like amazing to like really be able to, you know, kind of just like be in some of those elements and just see all of those different celebrities. But then also, you know, a little sad just because like so many great people passed, you know, during that, you know, during that kind of stretch from 2000 to 2005 when, you know, I was working at BET and it was just kind of like, you know, sad. That we lost like so much uh, talent, you know, in those past years. So, you know, kind of moving forward in my career, like, um, you know, I worked at a bunch of other places. You know, I worked in marketing um, at this place called uh, Associated Content, and I was community manager there. Um, and I helped, like, you know, to kind of like, you know, build. You know, community around this, uh, you know, website where people would get paid to publish their content. And so they were eventually acquired by Yahoo. 
Um, but by you know, by the time they had got acquired, I had left the company at that time and had went over to another company called Zaza Network, where I was the director of social media uh, for that company. And so the reason I wanted to go there is because you know I wanted to work on Wine and Spirits accounts. So um, I was working on all of the Jim Beam portfolio. So when I got there, we started, you know, we mainly just had Jim Beam and then like maybe like Jim Beam Black. Um, but by the time I finished, uh, we had like pretty much was working on across all of the Jim Beam brands there. Um, so one of the big things I did over there was working on uh, launching a a new product in the space which was called Red Stag which was the first kind of like flavored bourbon which has like a, a you know it's a cherry flavor in it so that was a really popular product that came out from them and uh, that was done with um, you know in conjunction with uh, Kid Rock and so we helped him with his concert and a lot of uh, you know other things to like really you know push that product out into the market um, and then also did a uh, I also did a uh, video contest for Jim Bean, which was called The Remake Project. And so that was a really cool experience because, one, it was, like, the first time, like, they had ever done something like that where they're, uh, you know, publish, you know, pushing out and getting consumers to, uh, you know, submit video. And especially when you work in a regulated industry, you know, like, it's really hard to do anything in social let alone, like, ask people to submit um, videos. So that was pretty successful. Um, we were able to present the case study around that at MoMA, uh, which is a big and popular uh, marketing conference. Um, they do them several times a year. And, uh, you know, so I've just really have been fortunate enough to have really worked on a bunch of, like, really cool and interesting projects over the year. Um, so in 2012, I worked for uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, and... Uh, and if you're out there and you work in the social media or marketing space, you've probably heard of Gary. Um, he's a very, like, kind of, like, outspoken and, you know, pretty much a very, like, charismatic uh, social media guru, even though I take the words guru. But, you know, pretty much people see him kind of, like, as, you know, the Willy Wonka of social media. Like, he's very loud, boisterous, you know, he's very opinionated. Um, so it was, you know, fun to work at VaynerMedia. You know, I was pretty much old in their company. You know, I'm in my late 30s and everyone, probably the medium age at VaynerMedia is like 24. You know, so a lot of the kids are kind of like, you know, fresh out of college or this is like their first marketing job. Um, you know, so I worked on the own TV account and Oprah Winfrey and then also worked on Tequila Avion while I was there as an account supervisor. So I spent about a year at Vayner and then left that company uh, to go work on a really cool project, which was uh, Breaking Bad. And I'm sure there's tons of people out there who have seen Breaking Bad. So I worked on the final season um, of Breaking Bad to really kind of uh, launch a cool social media campaign that allowed people to, you know, take their fandom and love for um, Breaking Bad and then, um, you know, kind of, like, use social media to kind of, like, you know, show this how much of a super fan they are. So, um, you know, there's a cool case study out there uh, that you can kind of check out if you Google it or go to SlideShare. I'll try to post it in the show notes so that people can check it out and see. 
uh, some of the work that I was working on with Breaking Bad. Um, we helped build their webs, uh, the kind of like a microsite that integrated into AMC.com. We also built a uh, you know a company Facebook application so people could play the game from there. Then we also did uh, all of the social media for Breaking Bad, so doing the different posts on Facebook and Twitter, um, and really just keeping the engagement going around the show. So that was, you know, again, a really interesting experience. The thing for me with that experience was that, you know, I, you know, I'm used to being a project manager, but like trying to manage a project and then do it, you know, but your development team is, you know, based in Australia. That proved to be like a really big challenge because, uh, you know, like there would be times when a client's on the phone calling me and they want something changed and I can't get the development team on the phone because they're in Australia and they're asleep. So that was a huge, huge, huge challenge with me in that account. And, you know, I was really, like, I probably didn't have sleep for, like, the whole duration of me working on that and getting the website up and running just because I was trying to make sure that everything launched. And you know how everything goes. Like, you launch a site and it crashes. And, of course, it crashed, like, right when it went up. You know, But, you know, you have to kind of just roll through those punches and uh, and keep everything going. Uh, so kind of fast forward to today, you know, I'm kind of just, you know, doing independent consulting and doing helping uh, different brands with marketing and social media and PR and really just helping to, uh, you know, get, you know, helping them to get the word out about their product and to make sales and to, you know, really, you know, helping them to be more strategic with everything that they're doing. Um, so I also uh, kind of like lead an organization here in New York City called Blacks in Tech NYC. And uh, it's an organization and kind of a support group and networking arm. And, you know, really kind of use that to really just help people, you know, of color, uh, you know, who may not have, a, you know, a support system around themselves, you know, to network or to find jobs, uh, you know, to really like, you know, be that support. And, you know, be that voice that can kind of, like, where they can bounce ideas off or if they're looking for funding for a, um, you know, for their startup, you know, we can help, you know, direct them into the right place. And we really try to support, like, all of the organizations across, uh, you know, the country. So, like, things like Digital Undivided. And, um, you know, we work uh, very closely on a lot of the diversity programming that goes on at South by Southwest. And, um... You know, so we really feel like, you know, there's a need for, you know, a really bigger support system out there that helps, you know, uh, people of color, you know, get into the technology space. You know, if you've been paying attention to any of the uh, press that's been coming out over the past, you know, couple of months, you see that there's a huge diversity gap at a lot of the technology companies, you know, like... You know, if you look across the board at places like Facebook and Twitter and Google, you know, uh, African-Americans only make up 2% of the workforce uh, overall at some of these major technology corporations. And, um, you know, so what we're really trying to combat and really trying to help solve is get, you know, these talented people that we know who are of color and, you know, and give them opportunities to, you know, to work at amazing places like Facebook and, you know, Google and, um, 
but you know again like really give them a support system to bounce stuff off because you know again it's like really it can be really hard out here if you really don't have a network to really help you navigate the uh you know the job market uh you know i i know for me it's i've been really fortunate because again i keep like you know i keep like a really kind of consistent rolodex of people that i know and i can call upon and say hey uh you know here's what's going on and here's um you know here's who i have contacts with and who's you know what i'm working on and here's what you know i'm looking to do you know so by using that rolodex i'm able to like you know kind of support myself and keep myself afloat but you know if you're younger or you're just kind of like starting out like you may not have that support system um behind you and i think it's really really important to have like a you know have a robust support system that can you know back you up and can support you and you know that can connect you with um you know jobs and opportunities in the space you know so i say all that to say that you know again this show uh smart brown voices so make sure you use the hashtag smart brown voices when you're talking about the show and sharing it with all of your network um what I really want this to be is a place where you hear stories, uh, you know, about, you know, uh, people of color and their experiences and, uh, you know, working it in the space, whether it be technology or science or anything else like that. And I want it to be like kind of like your go to resource to really help you, you know, navigate some of these waters, uh, you know, that are out here in the job market and, and, you know, in the times that we live in now, like when it's really competitive and you really kind of have to have an internal advocate to, uh, you know, champion you for working at the, you know, at that corporation. So, uh, you know, I want this to be like a resource where you can come and get advice and hear, you know, smart brown voices, you know, that, you know, will help you kind of like navigate, you know, through the space. So, uh, one of the other things I've kind of been doing over the year is kind of just like been going to a lot of the different technology conferences that there have been. So, like Focus 100 and Platform, and uh, I've also went to um, the National Urban League Conference. And, you know, I've kind of just been, like, you know, surveying the land and just, like, seeing, like, what are other people in other places, like, what are they struggling with? And what are they, like, you know, what is what do they need? And I think, like, you know, the, the conclusion is that, you know, and I think just, like, looking at everything that's going on now with, like, Ferguson and here in New York City with Eric Garner is really, like, we just need to have a stronger community and a stronger network of people. And, you know, I want to help, you know, connect uh, you and help bridge the gaps around, you know, that I really kind of see in this space. So I want to kind of be like, you know, kind of like a middleman, so to speak, and really kind of introduce you to um, people who are really doing it in this space and who are really doing interesting things and who really have like really cool, um, you know, stories to tell, like how they've innovated their uh, space and were able to kind of tackle any diversity problems that they had. Um, and really, just, again, like, let this be a resource for you. Um, you know, so I'm going to talk about, you know, conferences that you should attend in 2015. Um, you know, I'm going to help you, uh, you know, f- with uh, job advice and different resources that you can go to, you know, to find a job. And, you know, and then also the people that I bring on this show, I really want them to be able to, you know, give, you know, those insider tips and the information, you know, that are going to help you be smarter 
about where you send your resume and how you approach a job interview or how you find work or, you know, or how you work for yourself, you know, because what, you know, what we're seeing now is that most people are working for themselves. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at, you know, a lot of these, uh, accelerator programs where they can kind of go in and put a business together or you know one of the things that's really booming right now here in the Harlem community is co-working spaces you know so there's team co-working just opened up in East Harlem and there's Harlem Garage and there's Creative Space and there's uh, Mediva which um, also has different packages for co-working at a uh, mist here in Harlem you know, so that's kind of like, uh, you know, some of the things that are booming uh, right now uh, that I see in the space. You know, so I think it's really important, you know, for, you know, again, like for this show, just to really be that like resource uh, for you. If you're really trying to figure out like, you know, what's my next move and how do I get a job at this uh, place and how do I, um, you know, navigate you know, everything that's going on out here right now and, and then use it to your advantage. So, uh, you know, I want you guys to follow me on Twitter at Mr. Mike Street and use hashtag Smart Brown Voices. Uh, you know, send me a tweet and let me know if there's somebody you want to hear from, if you want to, you know, me to interview them and put them on the show so we can hear their story and, uh, and learn. You know, so I ho- again, I hope this is uh, a resource to you. And um, thank you guys uh, for listening to episode zero. And I really kind of just wanted to set up you know, everything that we're going to talk about, you know, moving forward. So, uh, episode one will be coming soon and you'll be able to hear like everything in our, you know, you'll meet our first, uh, interview guest and, uh, we'll go from there. So again, thank you so much for listening and make sure you subscribe. And again, make sure you tweet me at Mr. Mike street on Twitter, or if you want to send me an email, my email is streetforce1 at gmail.com I'm pretty much in my email all day so it's pretty if you uh, send me an email I'll respond back to you pretty quickly and you know let's have fun together so again thanks for listening shall we begin